eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast. With your host, Evan Roberts. So what else is new? The Mets go to Atlanta. They lay an egg. They find a new way to lose to the Atlanta Braves. They drop a game under 500. And what was yet another frustrating, lifeless Met loss. This time, the losing streak extends in Atlanta. The house of horrors. As Joe Beningo would say, you could change the stadium. You could change the players. You could change the manager. It doesn't freaking matter. The Mets can't win in Atlanta. It is now five straight losses down there. I think it's like 17 out of 21. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. A brutal loss to the Braves. We'll get to that. We'll get to the DeGrom news, our reaction to that, how that changes his legacy with the Mets. But let's start off with this game. This game was so incredibly frustrating because we got teased. We got sucked in. You know, after Carlos Carrasco gives up that home run to Ozzie Albies and the Mets are down one nothing, they responded. And the guys who responded were the guys the Mets needed to respond. Francisco Lindor, the height of this batting slump behind one and two, batting left-handed, hits a two-run bomb. Right off the bat, you could tell it's gone. It flips the score from down one nothing to up two to one for a myriad of reasons. This is a huge, or it felt like, huge moment in this game. Francisco Lindor needed that more than anybody else. You erase being down one nothing. The Mets, for the first time in what seems like forever, show that they don't always have a glass jaw. And then Pete Alonso backs it up also behind in the count one and two, gets a hanging slider from Bryce Elder, and he hits the absolute piss out of the baseball, I'd say halfway up. In left field, in that lower level, about halfway deep. And all of a sudden, we go from losing one nothing. Carrasco looks shaky. It's going to be another typical night where the Mets can't score any runs to going up 4-1. to one. But you knew something. You knew something even after Alonzo hit that home run. You knew deep down the Mets were going to have to score more. To hold down this brave team, averaging five runs a game, with Cookie Carrasco on the mound, and then the Met bullpen, it just didn't feel realistic that the Mets were going to be able to beat the Braves the way they beat the Philadelphia Phillies or the way they've won a handful of games this year. Four to one, three to one, two nothing. 
They were going to have to score runs. And I love Pete. I love Pete. I thought overall, Pete looked really good at the plate. He almost hit a home run in the first inning. He almost hit a home run in the sixth inning. And even the ninth inning before he struck out against Iglesias, he also nearly hit another home run. So I thought he looked good at the plate. But if you didn't see this, it was caught on the Brave broadcast. Right after Alonzo hits the home run, he's in the Met dugout, and he starts taunting Bryce Elder. He starts screaming, yeah, throw that again. Yeah, throw that again. And look, here's my only issue with this. If you're going to open up your goddamn mouth, you've got to back it up. Now, Pete did, but guess what the Met offense did after Pete Alonzo opened up his mouth? I'll give you a hint. They recorded one base hit. They had three base runners overall, one aided by an error by Austin Riley and a two-out walk to Brandon Nimmo, a one-out walk to Brandon Nimmo when he looked like he struck out twice. The Met offense did nothing. And it's bad enough that it did nothing, but it made it worse that in the moment, I'm watching Pete Alonso basically talk trash to Bryce Elder. Well, to Bryce Elder's credit, he goes out and throws three more shutout innings, keeps Atlanta in the game. The Mets do nothing against the Brave bullpen. And it is what it's a typical Met loss. Yeah, they scored four runs. Great. Let's have a freaking party. They did nothing outside of that. Nothing. And then we've got the mistakes. The mistakes that losing teams give you. And it all really came to a head in the seventh inning and then really in the eighth inning. In the seventh inning, Carlos Carrasco just loses it. And I don't think anybody saw this coming. He got the big double play of Acuna to end the fifth inning. And obviously, I don't have an issue with Cookie start in the sixth inning. Two, three, and four of the order coming up. Buck is in a hurry to get Drew Smith warming up, but he's going to give Carrasco with a three-run lead a chance to get through the sixth inning. He walks Matt Olson, and then it took no time, no time at all, for Austin Riley to rip a double and for Sean Murphy to change the game with the two-run double. Would I have pulled Carrasco earlier? I think maybe before the Murphy at-bat, you could consider it because Carrasco put the two guys on base. But I didn't have an issue with him starting the sixth inning. I didn't have an issue with him facing Austin Riley even after he walked Matt Olson. The Murphy at-bat, maybe. Maybe. But he gives up the two-run double. And even at that point, I wasn't sure Buck was going to get him out because I wasn't sure if Drew Smith had enough time to warm up. But Buck slowly does his trot out there. They get Carrasco out for Drew Smith. It's not a bad performance by Carlos Carrasco. It's going to look bad because the final line is five innings, four runs, and that's not good enough. But going into the sixth inning, he's at five innings, four hits, one run, one walk. That's his line before the sixth inning. He goes to Drew Smith, who for two batters does a great job stranding that runner on second. But here's where the mistakes come in. He gives up the double to Marcelo Zuna to tie the game, and Marcelo Zuna I mean, when he comes through with a big hit, when he does something damaging against the Mets, it's just infuriating. First of all, he's a bad guy. Everybody knows that. And just second of all, I just hate everything about him. I hate his swing. I hate everything about Marcelo Zuna, from his days with the Marlins to his brief time in St. Louis to now in Atlanta. But after the RBI double, Drew Smith commits a huge wild pitch. And so then when Arcia gets the infield single, 
it scores the lead run. Does it score the lead run if Smith doesn't throw a wild pitch? Maybe not. Probably not. That's mistake number one. Then we go to the eighth inning. I love Jeff McNeil. But first of all, earlier in the game, it was actually in that sixth inning, and I forgot this mistake, so let me go back to it before I kill McNeil again. On that double by Riley, McNeil's not throwing a second. He's throwing a third. It really should have been a single by Austin Riley. But Jeff McNeil is throwing a third base. He's throwing to Lindor, who then throws to second. So you give Atlanta up by three, another free runner in scoring position. That's a mistake by McNeil. The other mistake was the physical mistake when Eddie Rosario, as the Braves are up by one run and God knows we can't give him any more insurance, laces a one-two double with one out and Jeff McNeil drops the baseball not once, not twice, but three effing times. So instead of Rosario on second, it's Rosario on third. Then they can't turn the double play on Ozuna because Brian Snitker, rightfully so, is sending Ozzy Albies, who just beats that throw to second base to start, despite not sliding. And even though the call on the field is out, you knew he was safe. There's your insurance run. Not that it effing mattered because the Mets went down one, two, three in the ninth inning to the immortal Raciel Iglesias. So you've got mistakes in the outfield by McNeil. You've got a big wild pitch by Drew Smith. You've got Smith giving up brutal two-out RBI hits to Ozuna and to Arcia. Seven and eight of the batting order. Could you imagine the Mets getting big hits from seven and eight of the batting order? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And you have an offense that after the third inning does absolutely nothing. Let's get to the Buck decision. He decides in the eighth inning with A.J. Minter on the mound to pinch hit for Omar Narvaez, and he does it with Tommy Pham, not Francisco Alvarez. I'm going to surprise you here. I actually didn't hate that. <laughs> and the reason I didn't hate that is because Tommy Pham's actually been relatively hot. He had two home runs on Sunday. He's had all his home runs against lefties, and Francisco Alvarez very quietly, and I do think this is quiet because of all the attention on other Mets. Alvarez is over for his last 16. Since Alvarez had the big weekend in Colorado and the big home run in Colorado, he's put together a big over. So, yeah, you're using two guys. I get it. You use Fam to pinch it for Narvaez, and then Alvarez has to come in the game. But the truth is, in this moment, right now, ninth inning or eighth inning in the case of this, I'd rather have Tommy Fam up. I got to be honest. Alvarez is slumping. The problem I had was prior to the game. Because prior to the game, Buck Showalter force-fed us Daniel Vogelback. And Daniel Vogelback, and don't smile at me, Hoff, with your stupid little all-star voting, Daniel Vogelback went 0-4 with three strikeouts and a hard-hit ground ball to second base. The problem with your little all-star bid 
is his ass is going to be unemployed in days. And you can't send an unemployed DFA guy to the All-Star game. It's not my fault that MLB put him on the ballot. So that that's first things first. It'd be amazing if we could send him there, but that's besides the point. Let me just tell you something, okay? You talk about, you know, fam's been on fire lately a little bit. This offense is, quote-unquote, embarrassing. There's no one on fire. Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor, I sit there and I look at their numbers, and arguably, like, the, the Pete's got the power, the RBIs are there for both Alonzo and Lindor. But besides that... I don't even care that Nimmo's batting 290. It's not freaking good enough. I look at, I, mean, I hate to compare, but you look at te- Texas Rangers. Almost everyone in that batting, batting lineup is batting over 300 with an OPS over 800. We have guys batting 212, 220. That's not good enough. It's everybody. Even if a guy goes on two or three games in a row with a hit streak, it's still not hey, good enough. I'm not trying to sell you that Tommy Pham is a Dolis Garcia. I'm just trying to tell you he's a better option late in the game down by a run than Francisco Dude. Alvarez, who's old for his last 16. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but, but because of what he right, – listen, God, thank God he hit two home runs in one game. But it's like, yeah, they're professional ball players. They should be doing that more often. It happened once, so we got to tip the cap. Like, you know what? <laughs> Let's go him over Alvarez. I'm sorry, but Alvarez got to be playing every day still, even if he's oh, – but, but, but hold on, hold on. I agree. I would have started Alvarez. And I'll tell you exactly what I said on the air when I saw this lineup. If you want to start Omar Narvaez because you just activated him, I don't have an issue with that. Like, play Omar Narvaez. But even though they made the decision, and we haven't talked about this because this happened, you know, after our last Rico to DFA Tomas Nito to not go with three catchers, I think Narvaez, even though he was pinch hit for today, is less likely to be pinch hit for it than Tomas Nito. And if you want to shift your DH into catcher, yeah, you lose the DH, it sucks. You can do it in an emergency situation. So what I would have done with this lineup before this game on Tuesday was I would have caught Narvaez and DH'd Alvarez because my DH options are all not great right now. Vientos hasn't hit enough. Daniel Vogelback is just abysmal, beyond abysmal. We all agree he shouldn't be the guy starting. So then keep Alvarez's bat in the lineup. I don't want to bury him because he's over for his last 16. I'm just merely saying in the eighth inning, down by a run, I've got to send someone to the plate. I'm not telling you they're great options. I'm telling you someone has to hit. So let's play the game of here are my options. I've got Omar Narvaez against the lefty. I've got Tommy Pham. I've got Francisco Alvarez. I've got Mark Hanna. I've got Mark Vientos. I also know that Alvarez will enter this game if he doesn't come in as a pinch hitter because he has to catch. Those are all your options. We always play this game. Okay, where would you go? I'm just telling you based on recent events, the fact that the guy had two home runs two days ago and I need a home run, I'm down by a run, he's the best option. I don't want to put him in the Hall of Fame. I'm not calling him Honus Wagner. I'm just telling you, eighth inning down by a run, he was the best option. And I will say this. Francisco Alvarez has proven in bigger spots to come through. Though he's 0 for 16 in his last whatever, I still would have trusted him in that spot, and I would have, I would have, even if he struck out, I would have still been happy with it. I, I just think Buck has to think long and hard about playing two catchers because Daniel Vogelback can't play anymore. He he just can't. He has been abysmal at the plate. 
I thought maybe getting away from City Field could help these guys, especially Vogelback, because he's not going to hear the boos. He's not going to hear that frustration coming from Met fans. Now you're in Atlanta, where the only thing you'll hear is that occasional, I have a stomach ache, let me do the tomahawk chop chant. And Vogelback was awful. And I think he's, honestly, I think he's days away from being DFA'd, days away from being gone. But even if he isn't DFA'd, Buck's got to play someone else. And now with Narvaez being up here, your new option, if you love Narvaez that much, is to DH either him or Alvarez. Now, Viento should still play. I want to see what this guy is. I want to find out if he can be more than what we've seen in a brief period of time. But this lineup today, going into game one, just pissed me off. Because not only are you playing Vogelback, you're batting him fifth. You're saying... The guy I want to have protect Alonzo is Daniel Vogelback. Now, is that why the Mets lost this game? There's a myriad of reasons why they lost this game. They didn't hit outside of the two home runs, okay? That's not because Vogelback's necessarily hitting fifth. It's because nobody's hitting. I mean, literally, like you said, Pete, nobody's hitting. And we could do a podcast or 10 minutes on each player that's not hitting. So we don't have to concentrate on one guy. We can concentrate on everybody because nobody's been hitting, or at least very few guys have been hitting. Starling Marte has shown a pulse, but not today, not in game one. He went over for four and struck out twice.